31st of 2019, Justin Ponzer posted an update on his personal blog outlining some of his recent medical experiences. A lot of images on this blog post, some of them are a little bit more graphic than others, but those are luckily pixelated so that the more disgusting elements of them are kept secret. Of all of the images on this blog post, though, the one that did the most rounds, and the one that I actually remember coming across on Twitter, is an image of Justin lying in a hospital bed in the ICU, working on coloring a page for an upcoming issue of The Avengers. A GoFundMe was organized in order to help Justin with his medical expenses, but, unfortunately, Justin passed away on May 18th, 2019. When he died, scores of comic book professionals came out of the woodwork to talk about their experiences working with this man. Names like David Marquez, C.B. Sobolski, Jason Aaron, Jordan White, Brian Bendis. Ponzer left an impact. Many of the people that he worked with had very positive things to say about him. He was commonly cited to be among the best in the industry. This struck me as a little bit curious because I had never really heard of him. And I think that really has more to do with how little we tend to talk about the colorist as a part of the comic creation process. I mean, obviously, the colorist is important, uh, but I don't think we really have an educated conversation about the role that the colorist plays. And maybe this is just me talking from my own ignorance, but the colorist's work, to me, has always been pretty invisible. Uh, and some of that, actually, I think might fall on the marketing of the books. The names that tend to draw attention to a comic, to a series, are the writer and the artist, the, the penciler. The colorist doesn't get as much attention, with maybe a couple of exceptions. Uh, so, in order for me to really talk about how Justin Ponzer made an impact on the industry, like, I'm not able to do that. That's, that's not really within my scope of expertise. I am an intelligent person, but not really one who's well-versed in, in speaking about art. As anyone who's listened to an episode of the podcast and heard me describe anything as quote-unquote house style could easily tell. So in, in trying to put together an idea of just how good a colorist Justin Ponzer is, I went to Twitter and looked to see what his colleagues said about him. And I stumbled across a thread by a Marvel Comics editor named Nick Lowe. Nick's thread from May 21st is excellent. It gives a very wide sampling of Ponzer's work for Marvel Comics. And there were a couple of images in particular that I wanted to uh, draw attention to. Again, this is, these were images that illustrated to me just how good Ponzer is. And both of these images are actually side-by-side -side comparisons of the black and white inks and then the colors that Justin added. The first image was inked by Adam Kubert, who, oh, excuse me, it was penciled by Adam Kubert and inked by John Dell. Kubert's, of course, a fantastic artist in his own right. Uh, these inks are also very, very solid. 
the image is from the Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. I think it's a miniseries, but it's from number one. Uh, there's an image of Mary Jane trying to feed their daughter while Peter Parker is working on upgrading his web slingers. And there's some great light work that is already at play in this before the colorist even gets involved. You can see there are pictures on the wall, framed pictures of Mary Jane and Spider-Man. There's a lamp or a light hanging from the ceiling and you can see the light bulb and then the shadow that's kind of cast because the light isn't really filling all the space. It's, it's a really good image in itself. But then when Ponzer gets involved, you can see some of the subtleties that the lighting adds to this image. The, the way that the shades of green and blue in some of these pictures change as the light from the overhead lamp fades into the shadows. The, the light itself is colored in such a way that it looks really luminescent. It actually looks like there is light pouring out of this fixture hanging from the ceiling. You can't see the shape of the light bulb, much like you would see if you were to just give a cursory glance over the, the scene in real life. The lighting really adds a great deal of depth to what we're seeing in this image. Another image further down in, in Nick Lowe's thread here really paints a very, very clear picture of just how good Ponzer was at his job. It's an image of Miles Morales and the black cat, and it looks like they're about to fall off a roof. And again, this is Sarah Pichelli's inking here. She's no slouch. She's very, very good at what she does. There's a lot of just immaculate detail, brilliant geometry, some great little details like uh, Miles Morales. You can see that his eye lens is shattered. Uh, you can see the links, the individual links and the chains that are wrapped around his hand. You can see the sort of individual strands of, of fur from Black Cat's costume. But then when you flip over to the colorized version, the image takes on a much greater light or a much greater depth. You can see mist or steam rising up in the background and you can see stars peeking through. But you can also see a lot of light pollution from the city below. So it's dark up top, but you can see that light kind of rising from the bottom. And Lowe points out in particular that there is a bit of light reflecting off the back of Black Cat's neck. It's coming up from the city below, the rest of her body is kind of in shadow because she's beyond the ledge of the roof, so that light wouldn't reach it. But the light that's coming up from below that's bouncing off the back of her neck, it adds just a little something to the scene. Something that I think, had it not been called out to me, I would have taken it for granted. It's impressive, though, to see just how much depth, how much more of a sense of place these colors add. And that's really something, like for me, most of my favorite comics are black and white with very, very minimal color work. And so, again, this is maybe just me projecting, but I feel like colorists are, by and large, underappreciated in, in the comic book industry. And I think actually some of that does come from the history where the colorist position kind of came from. In putting this fill-in episode of our podcast together, I really wanted to do what I did with Stuart Eminen and find interviews with Justin Ponzer and share some of the information that he shared from those interviews. And the truth is I couldn't find hardly anything. 
I guess colorists don't get that same rock star attention. They don't get the one-on-one -on -one interviews with comic book news outlets as often as writers and artists do. But I was able to find a podcast by Adam Chapman, Comic Shenanigans number 502, posted on August 18th of 2017, it's a two-hour-long interview between Chapman and Justin Ponzer. And if you have the time, I actually would recommend that you go and listen to it. There's a lot of great sort of behind-the-scenes information about the realities of working in the comic, the comic book industry. In particular, I thought it was really interesting to listen to Ponzer talk about sort of the economics of commission work. You go to a convention, and you can either sell a bunch of your time to make these commissions for people who come through, or you can take that time to network with people uh, colleagues, rather, that you have worked with, but up until this point, they've only been names on an email chain. So I thought that was really fascinating to, to listen to. In addition to that sort of detail, Ponzer gets into some of his own history, talks about basically getting scouted out by Wildstorm while he was working at a Toys R Us, and eventually uh, getting sacked from Wildstorm when DC caught him working on a page for an X-Men comic. One aspect of this interview that I thought was really interesting was the way Ponzer talked about working as a coloring team, often in these books, and I think we've seen this a little bit in episodes of the Superhuman Registration podcast, where we've looked at the colorist. The colorist isn't credited as an individual person, but rather a team. Ponzer was credited sometimes as a member of the Wildstorm FX. And so if you're just one member of a team, it's harder to develop that sort of, again, that rock star reputation that a lot of writers and pencilers got in the, the mid-90s when Ponzer was coming up. And so, yeah, I, I'm starting to wonder if maybe we haven't been doing a disservice to these creators as we've been going along talking about how important the individual creators are. As Almost every single one of these that I've done or listened to, I've come away with the conclusion that despite the, the immense talent that tends to be focused in one individual, comics are a collaborative community effort. And without that community, the, the final product just isn't going to be the same. One of the great lines from this interview, listening to, to Ponzer talk, he, he mentioned a quote by Pablo Picasso. And this was just something that I found to be particularly inspiring. I think he credits it to Picasso at any rate, who, who said, good artists borrow, great artists steal. And the thing that struck Ponzer as interesting, and therefore, like, I also found this very, very interesting, was the idea that when you borrow something, it is not yours, you know it's not yours, and... So if you are borrowing from other artists, they can point to your work and say, oh, that's obviously not him or not her. That's, that's something that they borrowed from this other creator and they're just imitating. Whereas when you steal, it's yours. It goes into your possession. It becomes one of the tools that you regularly use and becomes part of who you are and your identity. And it's that additional sense of ownership that when you are learning from other creators you develop your own style because of how you become comfortable with the techniques that you learned from them. It was an interesting take on the old adage that great artists steal. And I think it's actually emblematic of how good, how versatile 
Ponzer was. And again, going back to that Nick Lowe thread, you can flip through it and you can see just some amazing variety. Super cartoony with really bright colors, uh, super stylized pieces with a lot of uh, deep purples and greens and, and things that are obviously super real or like above what you would normally see. Uh, images that are very grounded, images that are very brightly lit, uh, some really fantastic quality of work that just doesn't really fit into one easy box. Ponzer was able to move from project to project and bring a style to the book that suited the book. It wasn't necessarily quote-unquote Ponzer style. He wasn't a man of one set of skills. He was able to move through a lot of different styles, and it served him really well. In this interview for the Comic Shenanigans podcast, Ponzer mentioned that he had two particular projects that he really wanted to work on, and they were Hellboy and the Muppets. And he talked about how he wanted to work on something that was really bright and cheerful and colorful, like the Muppets, and he also brought up Scotty Young's I Hate Fairyland as an example of something that he really wanted to emulate. And you compare that to the other property, the really dark, gothic, moody, shadowy images that you see with Hellboy. And it just goes to show that he was a man who really wanted to be challenged. He really wanted to try new and different and varied things. And he did very well. And I guess at the end, as I've been looking through this and, and looking into Ponzer's work and realizing that He's actually been in a lot of stuff that I've read, and I just didn't notice and appreciate the work that he had done before it was too late. In, in going through all of this, I'm, I'm kind of, I keep going back to that image of Ponzer lying in the hospital bed, working on that page for the Avengers, and at the same time, you know, having a GoFundMe to cover his medical bills. And it's kind of been taken for granted that this is the way things work in the comic book industry. You know, you, you do your work freelance. You get contract work, you get pay, you're not full-time employed, generally speaking, which means you don't get benefits. And that's the way the industry has worked. And I don't know, I'm sure there are, definite, there are advantages to doing things that way. But it strikes me as, as tragic, really, that Ponzer was doing work for Marvel, which is now a subsidiary of one of, if not the most powerful corporation in the world that, you know they can afford to, uh, we're talking about the Walt Disney Corporation, they bought Star Wars, they bought Marvel, they bought all of these massive properties, and they could probably afford to treat their creative talents a little bit better. They definitely did make money off of Ponzer, even if Ponzer himself did not create characters for them. Ponzer did a lot of work on popular characters that now make the Disney brand quite a bit of money. Ponzer has worked on Star Wars comics. Ponzer has uh, worked on Miles Morales as a character who is in the middle of something of a renaissance. And it is kind of a shame that the creator isn't able to afford their healthcare expenses while working for this mega monolithic company. And maybe this is getting too political and it's, it's I don't know, too soon or whatever. Um, it's a shame, though. Ponzer died at 42. That's, that's so young, um, especially for a man who appears to be as talented and as 
brilliant as Ponzer was, how much great work did he still have in him when he lost his fight? I guess all I can really say about this now is that it's a tragedy that I got to know a little bit more about this creator too late. You know, I'm not going to be able to go to the bookstore and and wait with anticipation for the next project that Ponzer's working on so I, that I could appreciate the the work that he does with light and with color and yet it's still really great that he was able to make such a positive impact with the little bit of time that he had and produce so much work that has proven to be so inspirational that he was able to leave a legacy where so many of his colleagues were able to look to him and say, this is a man that I want to work with. This is a man that I always wanted involved with my projects. This feels weird and and fanboyish and almost, almost even a little insincere to, to talk about a person like this uh, after they've passed without knowing who they were while they were alive. But at the same time, as someone who likes to appreciate art and likes to try to find new ways to appreciate art, I'm grateful that in his passing, he has, Justin Ponzer has drawn attention to an aspect of the medium that is so important and so brilliant and beautiful. For that additional beauty, I want to say thank you to Justin Ponzer. And I would encourage everyone listening to this to take some time to go look at Ponzer's art naturally. I, I would absolutely encourage you to do that, but also take a little bit more time to try to appreciate the other small details in in the books that you read and the the art that you consume. Find ways to appreciate those creators who don't wind up being the big names, but still, through their contributions, bring that little bit of extra beauty into the world, because we're living in kind of a crappy time right now, and we all need a little bit of that extra beauty. This is a uh, turned out to be a little bit heavier, I think, than I wanted. But I mean, we are talking about a brilliant young mind that was taken too soon due to cancer. So I don't think it was ever going to be sunshine and lollipops. Uh, we will be back in two weeks with another regular episode of the Superhuman Registration Podcast. And we should be back on a regular schedule after that. Wishing John the best with the last little bit of his paternity leave, as it were. And we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks.